Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsberry, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. Well, Romans chapter 8 has been called by a number of theologians and, and preachers the greatest chapter in the greatest book in the world. Um, one of the ways we're going to talk about it over the next few weeks is that it is like the summit. It is the mountaintop experience of Scripture because it is a comprehensive look all in one chapter at everything that God has done through his son Jesus and through his Holy Spirit to save us, to give us life, to give us hope and to give us purpose. And so I hope and pray that you will be really, really blessed um, as we go through this sermon series and as you take Romans 8 into your heart and into your mind and into your life and memorize that, um, that I pray that God will hide this incredible view from the summit, that he'll hide that in your heart and that as you memorize it, it'll become a part of you and that you will find as you go along that verses from Romans chapter 8 will come to your mind when you need them. When you need to be encouraged, that they'll come to your mind when you need to encourage someone else and speak a word to them, um, that it'll be something that will be in you and that you'll pass on to your children and your grandchildren. And so what I ask you to do is if you'll stand with me this morning, we're going to go through Romans chapter eight, verses one through four. The way that uh, we're going to do that is it's going to come up in phrases on the screen with some blanks. And and so uh, we'll just read it out loud together and, and let you fill in the blanks. And uh, if you if you don't know the word, just say watermelon. No, really, don't do that. That's an old singing technique. If you don't know the word, just to say watermelon. So uh, don't do that. That's not scriptural. So um, so so, OK, let's go through and we'll read this together a phrase at a time. Okay, there's no signal down there, which means that I'm going to do it from memory. Okay. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did we get it? Very good. I just had to remember where the break came. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life. See, okay, it's hard to do this in front of y'all. Okay, I'm going to have to look. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Very good. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh... Good. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us 
who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God bless the reading of His Word. Throughout the years, a, a trip that a lot of youth groups took, and a lot of you have been on when you were in youth group or when you were a sponsor, um, and that trip is to go on trek. And trek is where you go and you, over the course of a week, acclimate yourself and climb until you get to climb to the summit of, it's usually a 14,000 foot mountain, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a high mountain to climb to the summit, to climb to the top of a, of a 14,000 foot mountain. And for folks who've done that, that's an experience that they don't ever forget. And you may have not climbed a 14,000 foot mountain, but you've probably driven up to some kind of lofty height and gone out to a, a lookout and just been awestruck and overwhelmed and inspired by the view of God's creation. And Romans chapter 8 is like that. Romans chapter 8 is that mountain top summit awesome inspiring view of what God has done and what God is doing and what God will do. And it's something that in my prayers I pray that we will never forget this view that we see from the mountaintop. And as you look out the very first view that you see is this therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus those are the very first words from this summit the very first words of Roman chapter 8 And while we're on this mountaintop, we're going to see many great things. We're going to see incredible views, but it's all going to start right here. There is no condemnation. And and to to appreciate all the view that we're going to see, we need to remember this initial view. There is no condemnation. But to understand and appreciate this initial view, we need to understand what has come before. We need to understand the climb that has been made and that Paul makes earlier in Romans. And if we go all the way back to Romans chapter 1, Paul begins to explain this. And what Paul says in the first few chapters of Romans is basically this, that the whole world is under condemnation. That the whole world is moving toward condemnation. That the whole world deserves condemnation. And, and the picture in the first part of Romans is, is very bleak. That the, the whole world, that all of creation, everything that lives deserves the wrath of God. And Paul makes it really clear as he walks through that that is true for unreligious people. That's true for irreligious people. And that is true for religious people. 
We all are under condemnation and we deserve it. Why do we deserve it? Because we do not live up to what God created us for. We do not live up to what God created us to be. He created us. He created us male and he created us female in his image. He created us to be image bearers. He created us to reflect his glory, to reflect his image, his character, his values, his thinking, his behavior. That's what we were made for. That's what we were made to do and made to be. And none of us have lived up to it. We have not been what God created us to be. We've not done what God created us to do. And the way that Paul writes it through the Holy Spirit in Romans is we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans chapter 3, he says, therefore, no one is righteous, not even one. We've all fallen short. So how is this holy, perfect, righteous, just God going to deal with creation that is none of those things? And to answer that, Paul uses a lot of legal language. In a lot of legal metaphors. And, and, and God is presented in some ways as a judge. And He is a judge. And He's a just judge. He's an honest judge. He is a judge who will always judge fairly. And judge rightly. But the problem is. Is that the evidence against us is overwhelming. And the judge himself has watched us commit the crimes. So what's the judge going to do? We cannot fall back on the law. Because what the law does is point to all of our sins. The law makes it clear that we have not lived up to what is right and to what is good and to what is God's intention. So we can't turn to the law for help. And so all of mankind, all of humanity approaches our day in court with basically no hope. Our only verdict is guilty. We deserve to be condemned. And when we say that, when I say that, when Romans says that, when the Holy Spirit says that, He means everyone. We deserve to be condemned. But this morning, we, you and I, need to take that personally. We deserve to be condemned. There's no one righteous, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have lived up to God's intention, to God's law. None of us properly and accurately reflect God's image. You and I, we don't keep the law correctly and fully. We don't reflect God's glory. We don't model His character and His thinking and His behavior because you and I are not righteous. We're not right before God and we deserve to be condemned on our own. And that's a bleak picture and that's the picture that Romans paints. It's a bleak picture for the world. It's a bleak picture for you and me. It's a bleak picture for Paul himself. And he he goes... He, he cries out, basically, in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. And he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this 
body that is subject to death. And it is a question from Paul's heart and from the Holy Spirit's voice that rings out through the ages. And it echoes in the heart of every single man and woman in every age, in every time, in every culture. And it is a question that emerges from the depths of the human condition. But it is not a hollow question. It is not a hopeless cry. It is a question that does not return empty. In fact, the question comes back with an answer. And the answer is in Romans chapter 7 verse 25 when Paul says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the answer to our problem. That sounds like the solution. And honestly, that sounds too good to be true. And I think it's one of our biggest problems as Christians is that we read it. But we're not sure that it's true for us. We're not sure that we can really hold on to that. We read it like this. In Christ, there may not be condemnation. We read it like this. In Christ, there's less condemnation. We read it like this. In Christ, there doesn't have to be condemnation if you're good enough. And that's not what it says. I want to remind you of something that your mama told you. Right here when we're on the top of this mountain and we're looking out over this incredible and awesome view. And it is overwhelming and it seems too good to be true. I want to remind you of what your mama told you. What she said is, no means no. No means no. And I want you to say that with me right now. No means no. No. And I want you to say it like you mean it. No means no. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and make sure they know it. No means no. And I want you to tell the devil. No means no. And I want you to whisper it into your very heart and soul. No means no. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it had been weakened by the flesh, God did. By sending his own son 
in the likeness of sinful flesh. To be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit so I just want to walk through those verses together because Paul states it as absolute truth Paul states it as a new reality and no means no There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus, who is our Savior, our Lord, our Messiah, our King. In verse 3, and if you want to follow along in your outline, verse 3 states what God has done. God has done what the law could not do. See, Paul over in Romans chapter 7 didn't ask, what can set me free? Paul said, who can set me free? And the answer to the question is that God can through Christ and in the spirit. Because God is the only one who could do it. See, there's no other way that it could be done. Our condition is such that there's no way we could do it. There's no way that the law could do it. There's no one that could do it except for God. And so God did it. And so verse 3 tells us what God has done. Verse 3 goes on to tell us how God did it. He did it by sending his own son and he became flesh. He was in the likeness of sinful flesh. I think it's important. It says he was in the likeness of sinful flesh. He himself was not sinful flesh because he never sinned. He perfectly honored God, did God's will, kept the law, was righteousness. But he came in the likeness of sinful flesh and he came as a sin offering. And I love this because what this does is say to us, That Jesus stepped out of eternity. Jesus stepped out of time. He stepped out of the heavenly realm. And he stepped into time. And he stepped into the physical realm. And he stepped into the flesh. And there was a, a time and a place in history when Jesus became a man and he dwelt among us. And as a man in the likeness of sinful flesh... He lived the kind of life that you and I have been unable to live. He was righteous. He did the will of God. He obeyed every commandment. There was not one time in his life that Jesus ever fell short of the glory of God. Hallelujah. And praise God that Jesus was able to do that. He did what we cannot do, which is just what Paul cried out in Romans chapter 7. But he did even more than that. He also then, because he was an unblemished lamb, perfect and able to be sacrificed to God and received by God, because of the life that he lived in the flesh, the righteous life, then he became the sin offering for us. He literally received in his body the wrath of God that sin deserves, that you and I deserve. He received in his body the penalty for sin. And so on the cross, he took the condemnation that you and I deserve 
in his physical body. And that's why, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because he's already taken the condemnation. See, God is a just judge. He had to deal with it rightly and properly. But instead of dealing it and taking it out on you and me, for anyone who will be in Christ, Christ has already received the wrath and the condemnation. And that is the incredible good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the incredible good news of the view that we see from the very first look in Romans chapter 8. And it's not what, but it's who. And his name is Jesus. But there's more to it even. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came to be a sin offering. See, our our problem stated over in Romans chapter 7 is that in my mind, Paul says, I want to obey God's law, but in my body, I don't obey God's law. I obey the law of sin. And that is the point that Paul makes when he says Jesus came as a sin offering. Because in the Old Testament, in the sacrificial system of the Old Covenant... The sin offering was given for two very specific purposes. One time that the sin offering was given, it was for sins that were committed unwittingly. That that I did not know I had committed the sin. But I have, and I've become aware of it, and so I make a sin offering. Uh, Another time that sin offering was given was when a sin was committed unwillingly. That There was not an intention to do it, but it was in fact done. And so... I need a sin offering. And that's what Paul describes all through Romans chapter 7. And so Jesus came as the sin offering to deal with the very specific problem that we have. And so we see what God did. We see who did it. We see how he did it. And then we also see, and it's still in verse 3, that we see when and we see where God did it. And, And one translation that I really like of this says, right there in the flesh... On the cross. That's where God did it. That's when God did it. Right there. In the flesh. On the cross. See that's the beauty of what God did. He came down into our world. Into time. Into a specific moment. Into a specific place. And so. We can point. And we can say. Yes. It was right there. It was right then. It was in the flesh. It was on the cross. That's where I was saved. That's why I have no condemnation. It's a tangible, concrete action that we can point to right there. That's where my sin was dealt with. Right there, that's where God did it. Right there on the cross. That's where he redeemed me. That's where he forgave me. That's where he took the punishment for my sin in his body as the Messiah. And so don't, when you are tempted to be discouraged, when you are tempted to despair, when you are more aware of yourself and your sinfulness and how far you fall short, I want you to remember and I want you to get your pointer finger out and I want you to point and I want you to say, no, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ because right there, right then, that's where God saved me. Because no means no. And verse 4 says why God did it. It was in order that the verdict of no condemnation could be pronounced over us. God did what no one else could do. He did it by sending his son. And right there, he condemned sin. So that we would receive 
a verdict of no condemnation. Because God loves us. Because his heart's desire is to be with us and for us to be with him. And when we couldn't do it, he did it. And so that is this incredible view that we see. As we stand at the summit of Romans chapter 8. And it's so important that you get this. It's so important that you let this sink in to every fiber of your being. It's so important that you receive it, that you accept it. It's so important that you live in it and walk in it. Because Satan is going to try to steal it away from you. The world is going to try to undermine it and ridicule it and diminish it. You yourself are going to have a hard time believing it. And so we've got to stay here at this summit and keep this view in mind. Because if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you have staked your life, you believe and you trust that what God did right there in the flesh on the cross. Was for you, then God has saved you. And he has declared you right. And. Not guilty. No condemnation. He has declared you justified. And Satan cannot take that away from you. Because Satan isn't nearly as powerful as God is. And what God has saved, Satan cannot snatch out of his hand. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan cannot steal your salvation. It is secure in God's hand. So what Satan is going to try to do is steal your confidence in your salvation. He accuses you. It's one of his names. He's the accuser. He reminds you. He shames you. He guilts you. And what's more, you do it to yourself. But if you allow yourself or the enemy to rob you of this confidence that Romans chapter 1 gives you, it's going to affect every part of your life. It'll affect your prayer life. You will not be bold in prayer if you don't think you're right before God. It'll undermine your prayer life, it'll undermine your witness. If you don't have confidence, if you're not sure that you are under no condemnation because of what Jesus Christ has done, you're not going to be effective in telling anybody else that they are. It'll undermine your prayer life. It'll undermine your witness. It'll undermine your holiness. Because God calls us to be holy. And in Christ, we can be holy. But if you don't believe that God has said about you, no condemnation, then you're not even going to try. You're just going to give up before you get started. And so don't let the devil, don't let your own voices in your head take the confidence away from you that we see as we stand on this summit in Romans chapter 8. Hold on to the truth of God's word, not anybody else's word. Hold on to that confidence. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when the devil bothers you about it, when anybody bothers you about it, 
Remember what your mama said and tell them no means no. And if you are here this morning, or if you are listening this morning, and you think that I am saying that you can absolutely be sure of your salvation, then you have heard me right. Hallelujah. So I want you to take a moment this morning just to remember, to soak in, enjoy this view. Because the views are going to be outstanding from here on out. But they're all built on this first thing that you see. It's got to start right here. Because if you have no confidence on this mountain, you're never going to enjoy the view. I love my mama. But she is so terrified of heights that not one time in her life has she ever enjoyed a view from a mountain. She is so terrified of heights and so unable to enjoy the view from the mountain that she never allowed any of us to enjoy the view because she was so scared. And she, I don't get, oh, step back. And I'm being serious. She's never yet enjoyed a view from a mountaintop because of her fear. Don't let that be you spiritually. God has done this. The view is yours to enjoy, to soak in. To live in. So take God at his word this morning. If you're in Christ. He saved you. He says in another place. We can be sure. He's going to start. He's going to finish what he started. So rejoice. Brothers and sisters. Enjoy. The freedom. And the salvation. That you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be scared and miss it all. And to anyone who can hear me. I'm proclaiming to you this morning. That you too can have this kind of security. You can have this kind of hope. You can have this kind of freedom. You can have this kind of life. Because God has done it for you. As much as he has done it for me. And he's done it through his son Jesus. Who he gave. Because he loved us. Who he gave as a sin offering for us. And I proclaim to you this morning. That the Lord Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He died on the cross. And he was raised on the third day. And that is the good news. That saves. Anyone. Who will take it and hold on to it and believe in it. And when folks do that, they're then baptized and God washes our sins away and He fills us with this life giving Spirit and He pronounces over you in the book of judgment and in the book of life no condemnation.
Jesus took your condemnation. You get his righteousness. He took your death. You get his life. And he'll call you his child. He'll adopt you into your family. These are all things we're going to see as we keep going through Romans chapter 8. So this week, brothers and sisters, no means no. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus.